Hey guys, here to do another installment of Back to Business. A um, little special episode. Um, so, unless you're completely out of the loop in, you know, the Star Wars fandom and recent things and all of that jazz, um, you probably know that uh, Colin Trevorrow's script um, for Episode Nine. Basically got leaked. It got out. Um, and so a bunch of people got access to it and have been talking about it. So um, of these people that have read it, read it um, I watched um, two people talk about it. Two different, I guess we'll say, well... Watch one person on their channel, and I watched two people converse about it on another. I'll um, say more in a minute. So that's what this episode is going to be about. I want to give my thoughts on uh, Colin Trevorrow's episode nine script, um, as well as my th thoughts about it, and also how it compares and pertains to what we actually got with The Rise of Skywalker. So, needless to say, this is going to be spoiler-filled if for some how you have not um, seen Rise of Skywalker. Um, once we get to the, that part of the, the, the conversation um, or dialogue, um, I'm just giving you a warning now. Now, I will say, if you don't know anything about this script, um, I highly recommend going to um, Collider's channel on... YouTube. I believe it's the Collider Podcast channel where um, CEO of Collider, Collider Video, um, Mark Fernandez and Mark Riley um, have, have both put up a uh, an episode of Rule of Two where they talk about the episode nine script. Um, so go watch that video. It's super in-depth. I think it's like an hour and 40 minutes-ish. Um so go watch that and then come back here if you really want to know um, the gist. Because I'm going to touch on a few things, but I'm really not going to be talking about it in depth. Um, I'm just sort of giving my opinion on what they talked about in the video. So it really would be, you're going to get more out of this if you go watch their video. And if you, if you still want to know my thoughts about it, then hey, come back here and um, listen um, after the fact. Um, but the first person I saw that talked about it, and I think it was one of the first people to actually leak it, maybe even the first person to really talk about it, was Robert Meyer Burnett. He talked about this script, and he did touch on quite a bit of what happens in this script, but um, he doesn't go nearly in-depth into it as um, Riley both both Mark Riley and Mark Fernandez. So I would say just go to Rule of Two. And then if you want to hear what um, RBM says, then you can go back on his channel and hear his thoughts. Um, at this point, there are tons of people on YouTube uh, with videos talking about it. So um, really, you could probably find a bunch of different channels. But out of the people that I watch, that's who I would, that's who I would personally recommend. Um, Um, so, um, I'm trying to see if I can find, 
Um, I've tried to find um, the opening crawl because that is something that I want to talk about. Um, okay. Um, so, so here we go. We're gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and jump, jump, jump into it. So the first thing to note is his title for episode nine. Trevorrow's title for episode nine was Duel of the Fates. Star Wars episode nine, Duel of the Fates. And I have to say, I really like the title. Um, I definitely like it more than I do The Rise of Skywalker. I always thought, as much as I do enjoy Rise of Skywalker as a film, despite some of its flaws, I've always really not liked the title. I felt like it, I don't want to say it's tongue-in-cheek, that's not exactly right, but it's one of those, like, kind of wink-wink, nod-nod titles, and, um, yeah. Um, I've never really been over the moon about it ever since they released that first trailer at Celebration. So, um, yeah. So Duel of the Fates, I think, is a great title for Episode Nine. Um, I really think it gives... Uh, it's the perfect mix of something interesting, but also a callback, you know, obviously to uh, the, Duel of the Duel of the Fates song, which is so iconic. But it also poetically is a really great representation of this last chapter or what would have been the last chapter of the the Skywalker saga. So it really is a great great title. So here's the opening crawl. Uh, the iron grip of the First Order has spread to the furthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Traitorous acts are punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, S Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighboring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom. Well, that is what you call an awesome opening crawl. Um, now, let's... Uh, let's just refer back to the opening crawl for Rise of Skywalker. Uh, the dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. General Laergana dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence, while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. So there are some slight similarities, you know, and, and that's really why I think Trevorrow gets uh, a writing credit for Rise of Skywalker, because there really are seeds of the story that find its way into what we actually got, which I thought was really interesting. It wasn't a... Um, well, it was a 100% complete rehaul, but there are elements and themes of this story that ring true, even in what we got from this original 
um, script. But the but the, the the few main things that I want to touch on is this. And again, this is why I just just to go back, just in case you're still here and you haven't gone and watched the other videos. Now's where I'm gonna say you really should go watch these other people talking about the script more in depth because I'm not gonna go in depth on a whole lot. I just want to give my overall opinion and touch on a few things. Um, so with that said, that's. It's the last warning. That's the last warning. Um, this story is impossible because um, Leia really is at the center of the story. Um, so after the unfortunate passing of Carrie Fisher, this uh, this story is not possible. Uh, and I want to make that abundantly clear. Yeah, um, it's it's just not possible, um, and and it's 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 really it's really sad because this script uh, ties together everything in the sequel trilogy um, from things in the in Force Awakens, things that happened in the Last Jedi. It really is a great close to this sequel. Uh, trilogy and you know that i mean you know lucasfilm has always been open about the fact that you know the first movie was hans the second movie was luke's and the third movie was supposed to be leia and hearing just the handful of things that have been leaked from this script it really is that it really is leia's story and i think fisher would have loved i think carrie would have loved what they did. I mean, I'm not her and I don't know, you know, I'm not the person playing the character, but as a fan, I look at what Trevorrow was doing for that character, this important, iconic female hero. And I think it's just beautiful. I think it's great. And, um, yeah. And so I think that's the first thing to say, because I think in reading this, we all need to understand that, you know, once Carrie actually did pass away, they were up against a wall. Lucasfilm was up against a wall, and so was Trevorrow. And there really is no way to um, do any version of this story um, without her there. Um, so... That's that's thing number one that I want to say. And I, I think it's important to keep in the back of your mind while reading this. I think this script, and I hope that someday they will officially release the script in some capacity. Because I would love to be able to print this script out and keep it in a frame. Uh, or, you know, put it put it somewhere. Not be, Not because, like... I hate Rise of Skywalker, or I think it's false, but it really is one of those things. And, you know, you know, Riley and Fernandez both say this on their Rule of Two video, but it's just this script really sounds like it was really incredible Star Wars lore. If you're a Star Wars fan, I really do think this is something that anyone in any measure will just love. 
Um, so I hope eventually they do something like that. So now with that said, the first thing I want to touch on is um, let's talk about Rose. Let's talk about Rose Tico. I wasn't planning on talking about her, but let's talk about her. Because this is the thing that I find most frustrating is, and you know, I don't know whether the decisions made in Rise of Skywalker were completely JJ's or completely Disney's or some combination of the two. But um, knowing that they have this script, knowing that Lucasfilm has this script, and knowing that they knew how big of a role Trevorrow was writing for Rose and the kind of role he was writing for Rose um, makes it that much abhorrent seeing what they did with this character in Rise of Skywalker. Um, and it shows that either J.J. or Lucasfilm, either one, and if I had to put money on it, if I was a betting man, I'd put the money on D Disney because I don't think this was JJ. But I would put my money on that someone doesn't know a goddamn thing about really writing good Star Wars characters. Um, because, you know, go into Last Jedi for a second. You know, I'm Last Jedi is my second favorite Star Wars film. I love Last Jedi. Um, and as much as I don't mind the Canto Bite sequence, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. If there was a part of Last Jedi that I liked the least, it would be that. But I love Rose Tico as a character, and I totally understood what Johnson was doing with that character. Um, and I understand why it doesn't work for a lot of people. Um, I just happen to disagree because I feel like it fits in perfectly with Star Wars. And I think it's a, I think that whole message he was trying to get across on Canto Bite was an important one. Um, and I understand as a huge company, especially with something like Star Wars, a huge franchise that so many people beloved. You know, um, and after coming off of Solo, which was another disappointment um, for the fans after Last Jedi, um, I get it to an extent. I get it. Maybe you're afraid to really lean into things, but damn it, son, you made your choice. Now own it. You know, um, you know, you made your bed. Now you got to lay in it. You know, um, because look, Lucasfilm knew that The Last Jedi was different than what JJ wanted to do with these characters. And here's the thing you know, I talked about this on my deep dive podcast that I did about Star Wars, which was one of the last things I did on here. If you haven't listened to go that, go listen to it. But one of the things I talk about is that look, the only reason JJ didn't do all three movies was because he just ne he needed more time in between Force Awakens and The Last Jedi to work on a movie. And Disney was not willing to give him that time. 
if they had given him the time to give him a little bit of a breather and a break after Force Awakens, J.J. would have done all three movies and we wouldn't have had the problem with Last Jedi and everything. This is all Disney's fault. This whole fallout. You know? So that's that's another thing to keep in consideration. You know, everybody's wanting to blame J.J., especially after the script comes out. But I don't think it was J.J. I don't think the problems we have as fans with Star Wars right now falls on J.J. at all. You know? It's Disney and it's Lucasfilm. You know? Because they've proven that they do not trust the artists they bring on to work on their properties. For some godforsaken reason, they will not trust the people they bring on board. They have to nitpick and pull the damn thing apart at all ends. And it's frustrating. Rose Tico has an amazing role in this script. Just hearing the bits that Riley and Fernandez talk about on their role of two episodes, just hearing this story, it makes me have such more of an appreciation for Trevorrow as a director and as a writer. You know, I mean, I loved what he did with Jurassic World and I love A Book of Henry. I'm actually one of the few people that saw it and I'm even one of the fewer people that enjoyed it. I loved The Book of Henry and I can't wait to see him coming back to Jurassic World for the third one. And he was so, you know, I won't forget because he came on Schmoe's No and talked about working on Star Wars and he was so excited and finally getting to hear at least what he was working on. I mean, it almost makes me a little bit emotional because he is a Star Wars fan, just like J.J. or Ryan or anybody else that's working on these movies. And he did a fantastic job with this script, guys. He did such a great job. Um, and one of the things that I loved was he didn't ignore The Last Jedi. He used it for the story's benefit. And he used The Force Awakens for the story's benefit. He didn't do this push and pull. He he leaned in to what was there. Because that's what a good filmmaker does. You know? And, and you can see that. Um, so we, Rose Tico has a huge part. She, you know, she's, she's in the opening scene of the movie. She, she, um, she does a lot with Finn. Um, she's, she's really sort of, um, she, she's sort of a, uh, comedic character in, in the movie. Um, really quirky and awesome. Um, and I would have loved to seen that. I would have loved to seen that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is, um, um, they really lean in to a relationship far between Ray and Poe. And the way they describe it is that it's sort of like this in Indiana Jones and Miriam type relationship. And I love the idea of that. And there were several there were there were several moments they talk about that's in the script that I think fans would have loved. I really, I really do. Um, especially there's this scene they specifically talk about where when Ray realized what she has to do, 
going into the third act and she realizes Poe can't come with her. She uses the Jedi mind trick to try, you know, to get him to stay because he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not letting you go alone. And she keeps using it on him. And he's like, no, please, please, you know, you know, you know, Ray. And she leans him and she kisses him and breaks down his defenses just enough to uh, to get him to do what she wants. And he goes into the Falcon and, and you know, flies off as she flies off into her, her destination. And just the way that they described this moment was, is, was really beautiful and impactful. And um, it would have been really cool to see. Um, one of the things they talk about, too, is um, sort of like in Empire where Luke has this vision uh, when he goes into, uh, you know, that dark part of the forest, um, Kylo Ren at one part of the story has a force vision where he fights Vader and he loses. And I thought that was very interesting. Uh, Leia travels around to all different places trying to gain help um, for the resistance. And she actually goes to Lando at one point and asks him for help. And he refuses. And he says, no, you know, I fought, I fought in the war and I know I promised Han that I'd take care of you but you know I he basically is like you know I did my part I, I did what I could do you know um I thought that was really a really interesting take um we get to see Coruscant again Coruscant is you know sort of this Mad Max type you know burned down shell of what it used to be planet and I would have loved to seen that um, you know, uh, man, there's just so much, um, there's just so much in the script. Um, they, they bring, they tie in Mortis, um, Ray and Kylo Ren actually have their final duel on Mortis together, which is a great tie in to the Clone Wars and other Star Wars canon, um, But the, the last two things I really want to touch on before I talk about how what I think about this script compared to what we got is um, I think one of my favorite things that hurt it actually got me emotional. I got me got me like teary is um, during the last lightsaber battle, uh, Kylo Ren and Ray are fighting, and Kylo gets his hand cut off, and Kylo blinds Ray with his lightsaber and he begins to suck the life energy out of Ray. And as he does so earlier in the story, he finds a holocron. I think it is. And the holocron thinks it's Vader, but then when it realizes it's not Vader and that it's Kylo, it sprays this nasty stuff on his face and it causes him to have trouble breathing. And so they have to build him an apparatus to breathe through a lot like Darth Vader. Uh, and so at this end part of the story, as he's healing Ray, he starts to heal. And you see him start to rip this metal stuff off of his face where you see him again. And the whole time Ray is calling out, Ben, you know, Ben, please don't. And finally, you know, he... He stops and he reaches out with the opposite hand that he's 
sucking their life out with, and he, he reaches his other arm out. And all of a sudden, this like rush of energy swirls about and flows back into Ray. And right before he and and right before he dies, um, he says to Ray, uh, "Solana, um, that's who you are. You're you're Ray Solana. That that that's your name." Um, and so right before he dies, Ray gets to find out who she is. And so you know he dies. Ben comes back to the light. He gets redeemed. You know Leia calls out to him. A lot like what we actually see in Rise of Skywalker to allow this moment to happen. Um, and Ray is sort of laying there and she sort of goes, uh, if you've watched Rebels, you know the world between worlds. Um, Ray goes to this place and she has a moment with um, Force Ghost Luke, Force Ghost Yoda, and Force Ghost Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the three of them tell her, you know, we were wrong. Uh, we didn't think that, you know, there would could ever be balance in the force. But you, you, you know, you proved you proved that point, you know, to not be the, to not be the case. And Ray, I forget the exact quote, but basically what Ray ends up telling them is, you know, I'm not going to, um, I'm not I'm not going to deny my I'm not going to to deny my anger but I'm also not going to deny my attachment it's sort of taking this quote unquote gray Jedi type approach this balanced idea and I love it and I agree and and I guess for what they say there's not much more to the movie than that but that's basically where where the movie ends and um and yeah, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot more that I, I didn't talk about or go into, but those were the the few key things that really hit me. Uh, the fact that there's a lot more Rose, the fact that there's like, you know, this love relationship between, you know, Ray and uh, Poe, um, you know, there's several other things, um, you know, everything with Leia, that Leia has this huge part where she's going around the galaxy to try to gain to gain help, um, it's just really cool. I just thought I thought it's a great script. It is a great script for a movie we're never going to see. Um, so how do I feel about it compared to Red's of Skywalker? That's the real question. That's a good question. You know, and I still haven't really decided whether. I for sure like that better than what we got. Just because of the sense, there's a big difference between hearing something and seeing how it plays out in your head and seeing how it actually would have played out on screen. You know, there's something to be said about imagination and and I love that. And I love that about audiobooks and reading and 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 everything. But there is that thing to be said of, you know, we get attached to this idea of what we have in our head, but then we see it on screen, and I might be completely exactly how it's depicted on paper, but for some reason it just doesn't work for us on screen. And so 
it's one of those things that's hard to say because I've actually seen with my own eyes Rise of Skywalker. I haven't this. So this is what I could say. I could say that I think if I had to choose one of the other, one or the other, I, I, I couldn't choose both. I had to choose one. Yeah, I would choose Duel of the Fates. That's not to say there are things that I actually like better in Rise of Skywalker. For instance, I like the redemption of Ben better in Rise of Skywalker. I actually like getting to see a little bit of him being Ben um, and, you know, fighting and, and all of that. Um, because of this, it happens really quick. He gets redeemed and then he dies. Whereas with this, we get a little, we get, we get a little bit of time with him. So, you know, if I, if I have to, you know, if I have to trade those two things for an overall better movie, then yeah, you know, I would choose Duel of the Fates over Rise of Skywalker. I don't mind saying that. You know, I don't mind saying that at all. And, you know, I've been I've been one of the major, well, I don't want to say major, but I've been somebody that's that's been on the positive side of the Rise of Skywalker talk, you know, because I did really enjoy the movie. I mean, that that that's not just, you know, me blindly saying that, you know, because I'm, you know, up, up Disney's ass or Lucasfilm's ass or something. You know, I'm not going to say that I enjoy something that I don't, you know. Um, and, you know, for me hearing, because I actually had watched Robert Meyer Burnett's video, um, earlier in the week. Um, and then I was able to sit on my thoughts after watching his videos a little bit, um, before actually... I'm recording this um, pretty much right after watching the Roll of Two video. Um, so, you know, after hearing three different people really talk about it, um, really ultimately what comes to mind is, you know, um, all right. I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but you know, I was one of those people that when Disney bought Star Wars, I was one of those people that, again, I've always been on the positive side of things. And I really do still, and I, and I still do think that if Star Wars was going to go to anybody, I'm glad it went to Disney because they have the resources to do some incredible fucking stuff for Star Wars. I mean, look at Galaxy's Edge. Look at what they're doing with that, right? I mean, look at look at what we got with Rebels. I mean, even Resistance has its charming episodes. You know, we're getting the last season of Clone Wars because of Disney buying Star Wars. You know, look at all the books and the comics that we've gotten—just incredible Star Wars stuff. But when it comes to the movies, after reading the script after knowing all the behind-the-scenes shit on all of these movies, I'm not going to lie. It makes, me, it makes me a lot more hesitant about the future. Um, 
Because look, it is true what I said at the beginning of the podcast. There's no way that you could have done this script because of how much Leia is a part of it. That is true. So you've got to scrap it. There's no two in there's 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 no two and ifs or buts about it. You know, this Carrie dying was the death of this script as well. But my pushback is though, how did we go from this, the duel of the fates, to Rise of Skywalker? Because I'm sorry, there is a lot of carryover. And there is. And it's it's why ultimately the writing guild is it says that Trevorrow deserves writing credit for Rise of Skywalker because they do use a shit ton of elements from the script. But I'm sorry, that final product is night and day to Duel of, Duel of the Fates. But you can't tell me you could have come up with something better than what we got. And I don't know how much truth there is about JJ going to George and them coming up with, um, you know, the idea of, you know, the son of Mortis being the villain instead of Palpatine and all that, you know, because that was well after, you know, Trevorrow's script went, went away and they pulled JJ on. So, you know, there's, 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 just with this one freaking movie, there's like layers of shit to have to dig through because it's like, okay, Trevorrow has the script, right? And it's a great script, all right? And they're, 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 they're trudging along, they're going ahead, okay, and then Carrie dies. Boom. That's bomb number one. That's the biggest bomb. All right. Well, what are we going to do now? So everyone, I imagine, gathers together. They try to figure out. They ultimately realize... They can't come together on what they want to do with the movie. So Trevorrow and Lucasfilm part ways. Trevorrow's not doing episode nine anymore. Okay, so what does Lucasfilm do? They bring JJ on. Okay, great. You bring JJ back, which, you know, if you're gonna if if you're gonna try to play it safe, I think JJ is still the right person to bring back. Don't get me wrong. So okay, so let's say, not let's say not at the point of necessarily we know as the fans that JJ's coming back. But, you know, when, what point in reality did Lucasfilm know they were parting ways with Trevorrow? And at what point did they know they were bringing J.J. back? Because if the rumors are true and J.J. is having these conversations with George, Lucas, about what to do for episode nine, right? When does all that take place? Because here's the thing that I don't understand, Okay. And just follow my logic. So we got Trevorrow's script. Trevorrow's script goes out the window. They bring JJ on. JJ goes and talks to George. He has his script, which they approve. They go to start filming. They get 70% of the way done. They decide they don't want to do it because it's too inside baseball. Whatever the fuck that means. So then they do rewrites of the script. They finally finished filming the movie not long before the movie comes out in terms of filmmaking. All right, right, and then even just months before the movie comes out, it goes through two different cuts. 
I don't understand. I don't understand. And and here and, and look, the reason why I say we we still don't really know what happened with JJ and George is, and while I'm not willing to say that that for sure happened or not. However, though, it's like I told people, I have seen the pictures myself, okay? We all know that Matt Smith, the Matt Smith, Doctor Who, right? The 11th Doctor, Matt Smith was on set for Star Wars filming. You can find pictures of him in costume for Star Wars. He was in Episode 9. They, there, He was in a version of Episode 9. The pictures came out so early in production. We don't know whether he was the son of Mortis or not. We assume based on the rumors. But we don't really know what character he was playing, but we know he was in the movie. And the thing that makes sense to me is that it is exactly what the pictures... What I feel like the Star Wars fan community has completely unfolded this mystery box as to what the hell happened with Episode Nine, And Disney and Lucasfilm are just too chicken shit to confirm, yeah, we fucked this up, guys. Yeah, we really did. We, we messed with things and toyed around with things instead of just leaving it alone and letting the dice fall wherever they may. Right? Because... For similar reasons of why I think Trevorrow's script would have been beloved by all Star Wars fans. Hearing some of the stuff that J.J. might have wanted to do, because again, it's rumored. A script hasn't been leaked like it has for Trevorrow's script. So it is ultimately just rumors. But if the rumors are true, hearing about what J.J. might have wanted to do with the Son of Mortis... And where he was taking the plot. He was doing similarly to what Trevorrow was doing. Not only was he bringing other Star Wars lore into the mix. And mixing it all in. But he wasn't, he wasn't ignoring Last Jedi. He was doing the same thing as Trevorrow was. He was moving the Last Jedi forward. As the second movement in this trilogy. And I don't get it. I don't get how we went from Trevorrow to presumably what JJ wanted to do initially and to what we actually got. I don't I don't under, I don't understand. And look, I understand as a company and as Disney, and especially with a with a company that has a, a certain amount of uh they want to preserve the image, right? And I understand that they had a date set for episode nine to come out for a long time. It was supposed to be a year and a half later after Solo. You know, Solo came out in May of 2018. And then Rise of Skywalker came out in December, December of 2019. But seriously, I wish, I wish that they would have just pushed episode nine back push it back to 2020 for fuck's sake push it back because knowing Trevorrow's script it is one of those things where 
because look, I was an apologist for Disney and all of this, you know, because look, I'm not somebody that's denying all the faults with Rise of Skywalker, you know, me and some of my friends and I've come on here and talked about it. Look, Rise of Skywalker is full of problems, but I choose to enjoy it because as somebody that has followed Star Wars canon in your head as the fan, if you've even just read and experienced what I have as a fan, if you've watched Rebels, if you've read Master and Apprentice, if you've read Lords of the Sith, if you've, you know, listened to the Duke Who Jedi Lost audio play, if you've, you know, um, if you've taken in a lot of the stuff that I have, you can see, you can, you can see the the breadcrumbs. You know, they're not full cookies. They're not full pieces of bread, but you can see the crumbs. And yeah, you sort of have to sort of kind of piece it together in your head to make it all work. But you're like, okay, all right. I, I see what you're doing. I don't really see how it completely works, but I get I get it. So I got it. Because look, hey, Emperor Palpatine coming back, it's Palpatine, right? This is the one, like, for instance, this is a perfect example. There's so many people I talked to that had a big problem with the Emperor coming back because they're like, what? He died at the end of Return of the Jedi. Like, you know, he's dead. Like, why bring him back? But it's like, look, we know in, ca in canon that as long as Palpatine has been in control and in power, he was always looking for Sith artifacts and all of these different evil things to live forever. He didn't want to die. He wanted to beat death. So yeah, while I don't like the idea of Snoke being a clones, a clone, and bringing the whole idea of clones back and all of that, while there are certain aspects of this I don't like, the end result of Palpatine coming back is completely within the margins of Star Wars canon. I don't like how it happened, but I accept it because it makes sense in the universe. But even that, and, and I could just keep repeating myself over and over for, for another 30 minutes, but it is that one of the things. How did they get from point A to point B? How did they get from the Duel of the Fates script to the Rise of the Skywalker movie in theaters? If there ever needed to be a goddamn documentary about Star Wars, like 15, 20, 30 years from now, I hope Disney releases a documentary about what the fuck happened with this sequel trilogy. Hell, not even just the sequel trilogy, just with this one movie alone. What happened? What the hell happened, guys? Because I'm telling you, this Duel of the Fates story, hearing these people that I love on YouTube talk about this, this story, like, I literally, like, when they got finished talking about this story and how it ended... I literally, and again, I'm just watching a video of two people talking about something they experienced. I'm not even talking about something that I actually read myself, and I was brought to tears. I was crying, sitting in my chair, watching this YouTube video because of how moved I was. I, I and I'm going to be selfish a little bit here. I want that experience. I want that experience for real in this universe. And the frustrating thing is I'm never going to get it. 
That's what's so frustrating. And I don't understand. I really don't. I know I've said this a hundred times, but I don't understand how you could go from that. This beautiful masterpiece of a script. If someone could just be given an award for a, for a script that was never made into a movie or at all, dear God, I would give all the votes for Trevorrow for this script. He deserves all the awards for this because he has proven that he knows Star Wars. You could say what you will about Jurassic World. You could say what you will about Book of Henry. But this man knows his Star Wars. And I am, as a Star Wars fan, I am furious that Lucasfilm didn't try to work with the man more to get his vision on screen. I don't get it. And hey, you know, after saying all of that, I really do love The Rise of Skywalker. If I'm able to, I'm going to buy it the second it comes out on Blu-ray. I am. There's, there's no doubt. I love the movie. That one lightsaber duel in Rise of Skywalker, I go watch over and over and over again. It literally is one of my favorite lightsaber battles. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's probably second or third. I think my favorite lightsaber battle... It's still probably, um, well, I don't know. I don't know what my favorite lightsaber battle. I've, I thought I did, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm not sure. Because I wanted to say it was the uh, Duel of the Fates uh, lightsaber battle in Phantom Menace. But I really like that Return of the Jedi lightsaber battle. There's so much passion and emotion in that lightsaber duel between Luke and Vader. That really is one of the best. Um and I and I love the lightsaber duel in Revenge of the Sith between Anakin and Obi-Wan. I love the over the over the top nature of it. I love how bombastic it is. I think that was the point. It needed to be that. Because there's so much emotion being conveyed through these two characters between one another. It, there's so much passion involved um but yeah um i'd probably say duel of the fates is probably my favorite lightsaber battle um but uh i would say it's duel of the fates lightsaber battles number one then i'd probably say return of the jedi the, the luke and vader fight then i'd probably say rise the rise of skywalker wreckage They'd probably say the last Jedi lightsaber throne room battle. Then I'd probably put the Empire Strikes Back at number five. The Empire Strikes Back um, duel between Luke and Vader. And then I think, yeah, I think that would be my top five. Um, and I think coming in at number six, just just out of the top five, would be the Anakin and Obi Wan Obi Wan duel. Um, I just, so, you know, I sort of said this at the end of the last two Star Wars centric things I've done, but I will say this, I will say this again here. I think for me as a Star Wars fan, 
what I want more than anything else is for Disney to get their fucking shit together. You know, I know they have a movie slated for 2021 or 2022, whatever it is. But seriously, take your time. Take your time. Because I think in their absence of being truthful with their fans, I think they've shown what's really been happening. Because when this script comes out and you see what Trevorrow is doing, and look, maybe not everyone is as privy to a lot of this as a lot a lot of us are, but I think for those of us that are really in tune with a lot of this, I think there is a clear picture being painted here. And I think it's that look, whether it's Kathleen Kennedy or Bob Iger, whether it's Lucasfilm or Disney, someone does not work well with others. Um, either it's Bob Iger giving Kathleen Kennedy really awful dictatorship level desires for Star Wars that just make no sense or Kathleen Kennedy has no idea what she's doing and I don't know which one I don't know whether it's Iger to blame or Kathleen I think right now I'm blaming Iger because of the because of his desire for keeping Solo in May instead of it coming out in December. I think if Solo had come out in December, it would have done so much better. They would have had a lot more time to flesh out that movie. Um, but he wanted it in May. And you know, if I'm right and Iger is the issue, then that makes everything that we've said about Kathleen Kennedy that much more sad. Because if she really is a person that gets it, but she has to follow daddy's orders, so to speak, I feel bad for her, if that's the case. Because she's the one taking all the heat. I wish there was a way that she could prove to us without getting in trouble that it's not her. That's the issue, if that's the case. Because I really want to know. I do. I want to know whether it's her or Iger. Because I'm not going to pretend to say that I would ever not watch a Star Wars movie or be invested in Star Wars. I have the Rebel Alliance um, logo as a tattoo on my body. So Star Wars is a part of me, okay? I'm just going to put that out there. So I'm not going to even pretend like I'm not going to invest in Star Wars anymore. But it, it, it would make me rethink things. If, if all these problems is Iger and not Kennedy, it would make me rethink a lot. Um, and how I choose to view what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I don't want to keep this much going. Uh, it's already pretty long as it is. But seriously, if, you, if you've listened to this whole thing and you haven't gone and listened to anyone talk about the script, um, even if you choose not to watch Rule of Two, go find a YouTuber or a podcaster that actually goes in depth on this script. Because it's it's amazing. It's 
literally, I think it's almost kind of beautiful now that I think about it. Um, how interesting is it that Leo is at the center of this movie? And because of Carrie dying, they weren't able to film this script anymore. Almost as if to say that Carrie had to had a Carrie is the linchpin for a lot of the fandom, if not all the fandom. And it's ironic because she always thought that she wasn't loved with the fans. And she really didn't get to see it until until the end. And I'm so glad that before she died, she got to see how beloved she was with the fans. If there's anything, whether you like The Last Jedi or not, if there's any good thing that came out of this sequel trilogy, it's that Fisher got to see how much people loved her. And it's not just because that she's Leia. It's because people really did care about her and love her as an actress. And a strong woman figure in Hollywood and as a talented producer and writer. And how poetic is it that in her, in her absence, so is there in what makes Star Wars, Star Wars. It's kind of interesting. And on that note, um, I'll let you guys go. Um, stay tuned to what I'm doing here on the shoebox. Um, you know, keeping this going, try to keep a little bit of a schedule somewhat going, keeping things active. Um, please go join the Facebook group if you have not done. Go go look up for the shoebox, S-H-U-B-O-X. Join the, join the group. I've been doing live videos in there um, every week. Um, um, I'm starting to do, um, starting next month, I'm going to be doing more with the YouTube channel, a lot of different other things. I'm starting a new series, which you could see I did the introduction for, you can find, um, through a lens. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of cool things coming for what I'm doing and I hope you guys will stick along for the ride. Thanks for listening and I'll see you guys in the next podcast. Peace out.